0: The bull Radio Football Show. Let's
1: go! Good evening, everyone. I'm Paul Cooney. I'm back with a big phone-in tonight. The show for you between now and 7 o'clock. The traffic's been bad. Marvin Bartley will be with us in a few moments, the Livingston <laughs> skipper. He was faster at the weekend against Rangers, but he's just been slightly delayed and he'll be with us in a few moments here in the studio. So you can call him tonight on an evening when, as we heard from Nicholas Sturgeon, the fans should be back in the grounds in a couple of weeks' time. How do you feel about that? Are you ready to come back? I know most of you must be desperate. Is anyone worried, though, about the consequences? Give us a call now. For Rangers fans, Leeds are pursuing Ryan Kent. Ten million pounds, would that be enough to move him? And the first match, of course, would be Leeds going to Liverpool, his former club. But would you want to lose him? I doubt it. Give us a call. And Celtic to play the Hungarian champions Ferencváros in the Champions League qualifier. They're up against Varos, next week at Celtic Park. What do you reckon? Well, on the programme tonight, Chris Commons will be joining us in about ten minutes' time. Give us a call if you want to speak to Chris. 17, 17, so much to speak to him about. Barry Ferguson was with us here in the studio last night. Chris comments in 10 minutes' time. Later, we'll speak from the Scotland boss, Shelley Kerr, who's joining us in the studio. We'll speak to Leanne Crichton, who's over in San Sebastian for the match tomorrow night, the Champions League, Glasgow City against Wolfsburg. And we'll speak to Archer McPherson, who'll remember a great Scott. Tam Forsyth will be laid to rest tomorrow we'll remember Tam Forsyth the Motherwell and the Rangers great and so many memories give us your call and we'll call you back you could speak to Archie on the programme here this evening and in a few moments we're going to go to Perth that's where Rob is this evening he's there for St Johnson against Aberdeen but given that Marvin's just a few moments late I thought <laughs> Ali what we're going to do is recognise this voice let's go and speak to Mr Transfer Deadline himself who's just come on good evening
2: Good evening to you, Paul Cooney, a bit of breaking news. Uh, I am thrilled to be on Go Radio. Yes, indeed, it is Jim White from somewhere in darkest London.
1: Yeah, Jim, we're delighted you're at Sky Sports Centre. I heard you uh, this morning in Talk Sport. Uh, It's great to hear you, Jim. And you had some great stuff this morning with the Lille owner, Gerard Lopez, speaking about many things, but in particular, Alfredo Morelos.
2: Well, that's right, Paul. Uh, Gerard Lopez, very, very wealthy man. As you rightly say, the Lille president, he, he was over in the in America, in the west coast of America. And uh, yeah, he was talking about that. What he did do was, number one, he confirmed that they had bid £16 million, pounds, which has been out there in the public domain for quite some time. He, he likes Morellas, really likes him as a player. And they think that he could do great things in League 1 with uh, Lille. Um, But so far, uh, Rangers haven't played ball with that. And uh, as he said to me this morning, Paul, uh, their pursuit, if you like, of Alfredo Morelos, well, they've hit the pause button. But as you know, the transfer window is longer than usual this time around. So he confirmed to me, Lopez, that they could well go back in for him uh, should the need arise. They got the man they wanted, the striker they wanted was Jonathan David from Ghent in Belgium. But it's, maybe, it's not over until it's over, Paul. They, they might go back in. Funnily enough, Josie Font, uh, the captain of Lille, was saying to me each day at the training ground, uh, he looks round and he thinks, I wonder if this is the day Morelis is going to arrive. But thus far, no sign of him.
1: Because, as you know, Jim, here in Glasgow and in Scotland, people thought that uh, Morales was on his way. But he's now scored a couple of goals. It's such a mm. huge season for Rangers. Uh, but you think, that, so it's not dead yet, you reckon, having spoken to the Lille owner this morning?
2: It's not dead yet, Paul. I mean, he did say, as I say, he used, he used his words carefully. Uh, we've hit the pause button. So they'll reflect on it. There's no need to panic from their end of it. And, of course, up there, Stephen Gerrard, he's been on record. He's said to me before, he's no doubt said to you, Paul, before, Alfredo Morelos, I love him. I love him. So I think if you could hold on to him as Rangers tried to stop Celtic doing 10 in a row, then Stephen Gerrard would rather press on at Rangers with Morelos in the camp rather than without him.
1: It's going to be some season, Jim, isn't it? I know you're on Sky again at six, um, but before you go back there, uh, it's going to be some year and Celtic want to hold on to Edouard. That's the big news here, uh, but we'll have to see. It's going to be such a long, as you mentioned, transfer deadline until October.
2: Yeah, uh, let me tell you, Edouard has uh, many admirers down here, Paul. Um, uh, He is highly thought of and uh, to be honest, it's easy to see why. Could he fit in to, to the setup down here in the Premier League? Yeah, you bet he could. I think it just depends uh, on, on the price. Funnily enough, we're talking about Kieran Tierney this morning. Mm-hmm. And Celtic played hardball with Arsenal. They played hardball with that. They wanted not a penny less than $25 million, And they held out, they held out, they held out. And they got their $25 million. So again, every player, Paul, how long have you and I been doing this, mate? Every player has his price. Uh, and uh, Austin Edward is one of those. If the money was right, I'm quite sure Celtic would part company.
1: Is there a price at Rangers for Ryan Kent? Uh, would you expect him? I see Leeds are in for him, reported to be. Any word, Jim, on that tonight? Uh,
2: nothing yet. A few minutes ago, I knew you were coming to me. Just uh, in the last few minutes, Paul, I put a call into Rangers. I got word back. There has been no bid uh, so far from Leeds United. No bid. From Leeds United. Funnily enough, this morning I was talking to Stuart Dallas of Leeds United. And like Josie Font was saying about Morales over in Lille, Dallas was saying, sure, behind the scenes, the boys at Leeds United have been talking about Ryan Kent. He's the player that they all like. Uh, but of course, it's out of their hands. Does Bielsa want him? Would, go to 10, uh, would, would, would he go to 10 million? I'm quite sure he would. But he's not moving at the moment, Paul. There is no bid. Rangers, tell me, uh, from Leeds United so far. And of course, Leeds United have have got other um, priorities, if you like, at this moment. Uh, The top priority being Bielsa to, to sign another contract himself. Uh, at the football club he's an interesting character Paul he's, a, he's an intriguing guy he doesn't have an agent he does his own deal wow. uh, so when, when he gets this one done let's hope he brings an interpreter because nobody will understand a word that he says but, it, but it's, that one is not done yet anyway but Leeds very very confident that Bielsa will be the man at the helm when they get back into the Premier League again and Paul I don't yeah. know about you but whenever I think of Leeds United I think Bremner McQueen yep. Eddie Gray Frankie Gray Lorimer I can't wait to see Leeds United back in the top flight again and on weekend one of course as you now know they're at Liverpool for their first game
3: yeah
1: if you're just tuning in to the Go Radio football show yeah it is Jim White who's come on for a moment or two Marvin Bartley (laughs) has joined us in the studio and Rob (laughs) McLean's on the line this is like Scott Sport 1994 Rob Jim's on with us
4: I know all, all we're missing is Archie McPherson, and I believe we can possibly line him up for later on, so yeah. so that's good. My, my concern about Jim, I mean, he's obviously got over his uh, Go Radio debut nerves, he, yeah. he, you know, he says <laughs> he's got through that difficult period. But, <laughs> but, but, but my, con, my concern with this extended transfer window is that yellow tie is going to be having quite a few outings. I mean, how is it going to stand
2: the test of time? <laughs> well, these days, uh, uh, Rob, I'm told that the yellow tie is a thing of the past and we all go on looking very youthful in uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. cardigans <laughs> and open neck shirts. But me looking ah. youthful is slightly tricky. Yeah. Um, but, but, <laughs> but anyway... The yellow tie is still alive and well, Rob, and will be brought out anytime soon. But listen, good for you guys getting uh, Go Radio well and truly off the ground. I tuned in from London the other day and you were flying. It's great to hear you.
1: Thank you, Jim. I know you're about to go. Marvin's joined us. Marvin, we're on with Jim White at Sky Sports HQ. And Lyndon Dykes, of course, has just gone down your old teammate. And Jim, you'll be seeing him at QPR anytime soon.
5: Yeah, Lyndon yes. Dykes, what a player. Sorry, Jim, yes. uh, just to touch on Lyndon. Hi, you know. Marvin. Um, he's absolutely buzzing to get the move done. Um, you know, there's a few clubs in for him and, you know, he decided to go to QPR. Obviously, Mark Warburton knows a lot about him. Les Ferdinand came to watch him twice. Uh, the home game against Hibs, I don't think he saw too much in that one, but definitely in the away game against Motherwell, you know, Lyndon showed what he was all about. And, you know, I expect him to be a huge success down the road.
1: And Jim, I know you've got to go because you are on air in a few minutes.
2: Uh, prediction tonight
1: because Rob's at the match there at the Sky Match, uh, St Johnson against Aberdeen. This is where Aberdeen season needs to start.
2: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, Paul, we talk about can Rangers do anything against Celtic this season? Can they stop 10 in a row? I mean, surely it's about time. You and I and Rob remember Aberdeen yep. when they truly were a force. So let's see what Aberdeen can do this season. Roll up the sleeves and get stuck in because we need Aberdeen to be a force once again. I think Aberdeen will, will win this one tonight, I must be honest.
1: Jim, thanks very much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Jim White, join us. All the best, Jim. Cheers, Jim. Good luck, guys.
2: Thanks for that. Thank thanks, you, Jim.
1: Literally, Marvin, as you were driving in, I thought I'm, Jim and I were speaking. I said, Marvin will be here in a few moments, and he <laughs> came on. So thanks, thanks, <laughs> thanks to Jim. Yeah, it's been a big week. We want to speak about uh, and what it's like with Lyndon Dykes going. He's such an influence there at the club but you move on. Marv, it's nice to meet you. And we a jewel, haven't actually sorry. met. <laughs> Ali met you last week. So Rob is at Perth and uh, you can call in to Marvin. he's here for the next two hours. Chris Commons will be with us in about seven or eight minutes. 0808 17 17 700. Rob, are you, are you at the match? Have you arrived at McDermott? I am. Yeah?
4: I, am at, I am at the match. I, I'm not inside the ground because these days, of course, they, they kind of don't want you kicking about too long before kickoff. So I think it's about six o'clock. Uh, it's a 7.30 kick-off and it's about 6 o'clock um, before I get in I should have warned you of course that uh, Marvin does lack a bit of pace and he might <laughs> to be there for the start for the start at 5 o'clock. You know, so Actually, the fact he got there about 10 past, that's, that's really not too bad by his standards. Yeah. But, but as I try to recover and as I try to avoid him right-hooking me the next time I see him, yeah. I'm, on a, I'm on a bit of a scouting mission for, for Marv tonight because, of course, Livingston play Aberdeen at Pataudry on Sunday. Marv, I'll be taking extensive notes, um, and I will obviously, for a small fee, Pass those on to you. <laughs> good
1: work, good work. <laughs> yeah. Marv, how are you feeling after the weekend and the match with Rangers? It was match of the day, it was live uh, on the telly, uh, and what a result for you.
5: Yeah, definitely. Uh, it was tough going, though, let's be honest. You know, it was, it's back to the wall stuff, but, you know, it takes a lot of concentration. And, you know, you look at the running stats after, it was the highest set across the board for Livingston for a long, long time. Um, you know, the boys worked extremely hard. Uh, obviously, I went off after 60 minutes, but, you know, to, to hang on to that result for us is massive. Um, you know, I've seen a few reports of people being unhappy with the way we played um, but you, know, you look at the difference in the budgets and stuff we can't afford to go head-to-head with Rangers you know, we have to have a game plan to try and stop them that's what we've done, you know, it's up to them to break us down so as you said you were delighted with the point
1: Rob, it kind of worked for Kilmarnock against Celtic and it certainly worked for Livingston on Sunday
4: Yeah it did, I was a bit concerned for Marf uh, when he got off injured but it was a bit of a, a Lazarus-like recovery from you Marv, when you went off it looked like the game was gone, you came off but how, how are you now?
5: Yeah, I'm still struggling a little bit. You know, I'm um, hoping to train on Saturday uh, before the game on Sunday. It's just a spasm of my quad, really. You know, I wanted to stay on, but you know, I think uh, you and might Martin had the same idea. He wanted me off the pitch, maybe to freshen <laughs> the legs up a little bit. So, uh, you know, it worked out well. If we'd end up losing the game, I probably wouldn't have been too happy about it because I was willing to try and you know stay on and play. But you know, he made the right call, and yeah, hopefully, I'll be all right for Sunday.
4: Yeah, this is a massive, massive match, obviously, Paul. Marv, yeah. Ali uh, tonight at McDermott Park. Uh, Aberdeen getting back to business. It's nearly three weeks since they kicked off the season with that game at Pesaudry against Rangers. Uh, finally, after three postponements, getting back to business. And, and their team selection, Paul's going to be interesting tonight because it might not be as bad as, as first feared because uh, we talk about the Aberdeen 8, but... Uh, The word is that four of them um, have returned from self-isolation and they're back in training. Um, So while they will be missing some players tonight, it's not as if it's going to be a completely new team. And when you look at the 11 who started against Rangers, there is a possibility that it might only be three of them out of that 11 who don't uh, start the match tonight. And of course, they've recruited Ross McCrory from Rangers on loan till the end of the season. Then then it's a three-year deal after that. Uh, so he could be a really timely signing for them, just to show things up a bit defensively for them. But I, I think when we get down to business tonight, it's 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 not going to be um, it's not going to be like the Aberdeen youth team at all, um, and they'll be they'll be desperate to hit the ground running. And you heard what Derek McInnes said in the news with Nancy at, at five that he feels they've had a, a bit of a kicking. Now w- whether you agree with that or not. It's probably a useful thing to be saying in the dressing room, Marv, at this stage and and to get a real response from the the players tonight and to bounce straight back here against St Johnston.
5: Yeah, they'll feel that they, they owe not only Derek, but they owe the fans as well. You know, I know a couple of the boys personally, I know they'll be hugely disappointed with with what happened. Um, you know, I I know they'll regret their decision and like you said, as professional footballers you wanna be out there on the pitch and I think the best way they can make it up to, to their fans and the manager and the coaching staff is by going out there and, and winning the next couple of games. Hopefully they don't do so. I don't mind them winning today. I don't mind how that one goes. But but come Sunday, hopefully there's a disappointed dressing room at Potodri.
1: Robert's let the reset button. Who would have believed it? You know, with uh, Aberdeen with no points, they've only played one match. So the reset, Celtic will be back in action in league at the weekend at Dundee United. And Nicola Sturgeon's been saying this afternoon that the fans could be back soon.
6: There is a very real possibility that some or all of these plans could change. However, with that significant caveat, we hope that from 14 September, Sports Stadia will be able to reopen, though only for limited numbers of spectators and with strict physical distancing in place. Some professional sports events might be arranged for spectators before then with Scottish Government agreement to test the safety of any new arrangements.
3: Marvin, Marvin
1: it can't come quickly enough. Can it? The, fa- the, can- the fans coming back in can't come quickly enough. Oh no, we've missed them massively. Yep.
5: Um, you know, it's, it's, been, it's been extremely hard to... To be playing games without the fans, and you know they are the life and soul of football matches. You know whether they're cheering you or booing you, you know it still makes for a for a great atmosphere and, and gets you to raise your game. So you know that's fantastic news hearing that they could be back soon.
1: How tough have you found it? I mean, a, a match like Sunday, you know, live in the telly at your ground. What would that normally be? How many would be there for the Rangers match?
5: <laughs> well, they will be all Rangers fans for a start. Um, yeah, but it, would, but it would be a sellout. We yeah. would have, you know, Rangers would have had three sides and we would have had one. It would definitely have been yeah. a sellout. Um, and, you know, you, you kind of miss the atmosphere. You you really, really do. Although it would have been a home game and they would have had three sides, it still creates a buzz. You know, the, the boys definitely missed it. You, you go out for the warm-up now and you think, oh, you know, the place will begin to fall out soon. And that's what it's normally like. But, you know, you come out for kickoff and it's exactly the same. Um, you've got a couple of ball boys maybe in in the far side. So, yeah, i will definitely definitely been missing the fans. And I think every professional footballer up and down the country will be saying the same.
1: And Rob, is it rugby they're trying out first of all?
4: I think that's the plan, Paul, but I think uh, what's, uh, that's, that's a really encouraging statement today because I think all of us feared that because of the misdemeanours, the Aberdeen Eight, Bully, bull and Goalie, etc., that might set us back in terms of the, the timescale. And it's pretty heartening to hear that we are still on track for that mid-September. And even though it's limited numbers, I just think getting any people inside uh, football grounds is going to
1: feel like a, a major step forward. So that's got to be really good news it's been such a strange time coming up this weekend uh, without the fans Rob we're going to let you go shortly I know you're going to go in and get the teams for us but Ali now that we're Thursday night we're getting close to the weekend what's coming up?
7: Absolutely uh, Saturday is the three o'clock kickoff at Firth Park where Motherwell are playing Hamilton and Ibrooks, Kilmarnock are heading over there for their game against Rangers St Mirren are home to Ross County and the big match on Sky 5.30pm is Dundee United Celtic are heading up to Tannadice, and then on Sunday at 3pm Aberdeen Livingston but the big game on Sky is going to be St Johnson Hibs at the earlier time of 4.30pm and obviously we can't forget Leanne Crichton's match which is happening tomorrow night over in Spain Um, and that is Glasgow City against Wolfsburg It's
1: going to be some weekend of football and then of course uh, PSG against Bayern No real surprise there did you reckon? Do you think Leon might have surprised them last night?
5: No, you know, I think we all wanted Leon to give it a bit more of a go. But, you know, when they missed the early chances, I think we all knew how it was going to end up. So it's the final probably we all wanted once Man City got knocked out. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and who do you think is going to win it? Bayern Munich. You know, I think they're they're, too strong, strong, far too strong. You know, PSG in flashes will be brilliant. But over the course of 90 minutes, I definitely expect Bayern Munich to to win the game. Rob?
4: Yeah, like Marv, I mean, I think you you thought the worst, didn't you, for Leon? who had a couple of great chances to score. But they had to, and and even then... Uh, Bayern would probably have gone up a couple of gears. But as it was, they won really comfortably. 8-2 against Barcelona, 3-0 against Lyon. But it's going to be a fantastic final, isn't it? Um, PSG against Bayern. I think we're all licking our lips for that one.
1: Give us your calls for the Go Radio Football Show 0808 08, 17 17 700. Chris Commons is coming next.
8: The Go Radio Football Show. Let's go!
1: I'm Paul Cooney with the gang Marvin Bartley is with us tonight Ali DeFoy Rob McLean he's at St Johnson against Aberdeen give you team news soon later on we're going to hear from Archie McPherson we're remembering Tam Forsyth Leanne Crichton will be joining us in the next hour as will the Scotland boss Shelley Kerr I'm delighted to see on the line now as well we've got well one of your own teammates for a short time at Hebs it's the Celtic star Chris Commons is joining us via Zoom hello Chris good evening good evening gentlemen how are you?
3: Hi! <laughs> I'm good. hello!
1: Good. Chris, thanks for joining us uh, tonight. Uh, so you played for a short time, of course, with Marvin uh, under Neil Lennon at Hibs. So good for you to, to to hook up again, Marvin.
5: Yeah, Yeah, definitely. You know, Chris came in and, and added his experience as well as his wonderful craft on the pitch. So, you know, it was, a, it was a major signing for us. You know, obviously a lot of the boys knew of Chris Commons and, and then to get to play with him was, was brilliant.
1: Chris, your memories of Marvin? Kicking him. <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: no. Um you know what I um obviously only had a few games there. Yeah. Um but the the experience of the, the training facilities, the you know the uh the good dressing room. I always thought Marvin were uh you know underrated in, in terms of what he what he did in the, in the middle of the park. I always thought he was a, a top player when I ever I was in the team with him. Certainly um certainly at that level I thought he was superb. And I think uh, Pibbs missed a bit of a trick uh, you know with him leaving so.
3: Yep. Yeah,
0: they were
1: uh top man. Mind you, you left with a winner's medal, the championship, and also the cup medal. You haven't got it with you tonight, oh, Marvin, no?
5: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's on the wall at my mum. She won't let me move it. <laughs> Chris,
1: you've got a few champions' medals yourself there uh, on the way to nine in a row at Celtic. What a season it is for everyone uh, associated with the club. Rangers want to stop it. Celtic desperate to win it. H- how do you feel a couple of weeks into the season? I mean, nobody could have foreseen what was going to happen, that Celtic have missed a couple of matches, but they'll be so looking forward to Dundee United this weekend.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I always used to uh, enjoy playing against Dundee United, funnily enough. I always thought it was a, a good game to play and Yeah, I enjoy going to, obviously, Tanner It's always a good atmosphere. I'm not going to get that just yet, but hopefully with the news from um the first minister Nicholas Sturgeon that in September there might be some sort of leeway in terms of personnel getting in the stadium for uh, watching games which would be superb for Scotland, superb for football. But um in terms of the um the season ahead, incredible. Can't wait for it to really set a light, which will probably be in uh, in a couple of months. But um no, I think once the transfers have finished and you know the transfer window is shut in October then I think you'll see a settled teams and uh, more consistent results. But the, um, the big ones will be certainly the all-term games. That will go a long way this season, I think, because I really do think they are neck and neck at the minute.
1: Yeah. few things on the go today. What about Tom Roderick? Where would you stand on that? He's so popular, he's so talented, but just not getting a game. What would you do, Chris, if you were uh, Neil Lennon or Peter Lowell? Would you keep him or, or would you sell him?
0: I wouldn't like to see Tom leave. No, I think he's a great impact player. I know he's not had a great deal of game time, which is probably frustrating on his part. Um, His memorable goal, obviously, against Aberdeen that started this treble uh, winning streak. It was uh, a memorable moment for myself. But in terms of game time, I think when you are looking at a number 10, you want to be playing week in, week out. You certainly want to be racking up the numbers for assists and goals. Tom hasn't really done that. Since he came through, you know, in, in the building when I was there, so you know, for him to try and replicate his top form, he needs to be playing week in week out. And I think if you look at his stats, the amount of games that he's playing, the amount of assists and goals that he scores as a number ten, just aren't you know the numbers don't add up. So for him to get away, you know, I think the, the I think the price, looking at three three and a half million, maybe four million uh, pounds, I think it be good business from Celtic. But you know, he is a player that on his day seen at Ibrox it can put him in the
5: top bin so big miss Marvin what would you do? i will be keeping him honestly Um, you know I've played against him many a times over the years and I, I think he's a fantastic player you know for someone who's who looks so gangly he is so strong and I get that it, I don't know his actual assist and goal scoring record but the impact he has on the pitch you know maybe he passed it to the person who does make the assist for me he's he's a top top player and you know I think a lot of Celtic fans out there I know he's had his injury problems but if you ask them I think a lot of people saying keep him in the club because, as I said, you know I don't know if there's many better players than him around at the moment.
1: The man they're all talking about, obviously, Chris is uh, the striker. Edwards, um, do you think he'll be there when the transfer window closes in October?
0: Yeah, I think if you're any player, and this I think this goes for you know if you're in the Ibrox dressing room, also, if you are part of what could be historical you know, any sort of move, any money-making move that could potentially happen in these next uh, transfer windows. If you can be a part of something that is going to get 10 in a row, possibly another treble or, you know, your first trophy under Steven Gerrard, then you want to be a part of that. There's no question about it. Edward is still a young kid. He's still... yet to do it in Europe, in terms of Champions League, he needs to, you know, probably tick that box off. When you look at his... Um, his sidekick in Moussa Dembele and what he's achieved in the last 12 to 24 months. Yeah. If Edward continues that spiral of progression, then yeah, Edward will be a man in the uh, man in demand. And I only read, I think it was this morning, about Gordon Strachan saying that he could quite see um, Edward leading the line for the likes of Liverpool. So the potential is there, there's no question about that. But I think if he can be Celtic's um, number nine, 25, 30 goals a season get to 10 in a row then uh, yeah you can
1: leave with open arms for me and where do you see Celtic strengthening between now and October the 4th
0: I don't think there's any question they need to strengthen defensively I think they are very very short when you think of the centre office that's left Celtic recently you look at um, obviously Virgil van Dijk you've got Beata Siminovic um, and the two that is there at the minute there's not that much pressure so I think that they need to strengthened defensively. Left back, they've never really replaced the likes of Kieran Tierney. Yeah. And right back, it's a flip-up between a young a young kid coming through in Frimpong and obviously El Hamid, who's not really established himself as first choice just yet. So defensively, need rectifying. They've obviously spent money in the uh, attacking areas, but I always think defensively will set the store. You know, that's your benchmark. That's your foundations. If you can defend and you've got a solid back four, then certainly it gives you a license for your attacking players to have a, a, bit of a shackles off free reign.
5: Marvin, yeah, I think you know if, if they can sign two players, I think they'll be looking at centre half and the left back. Um, for me personally, I'll be going after Hickey, who's at Hearts. I know he's got a you know a lot of interested parties uh, in him, but you know when Celtic come calling, it'll be very very difficult for the young man to turn down. You know I've heard rumours that he doesn't want to move abroad at this moment in time. You know whether that's to change, I'm, I'm not too sure, but you know he is he definitely is wanted by these clubs but I think that's the only thing holding it back you know being such a young agent and, and, and moving abroad and you know first team opportunities might be limited so you know I think if I was Celtic I'd be going after him and like you said a, a centre half also you know who they go after I'm, I'm not quite sure but yeah, if they can tighten up that defence, especially for Europe, you know, for the league, I think you get away with, you know, the, the boys who are playing in the back now because they are very, very good players. But if you want to go on to just that next level, you might need to, you know, maybe bring in a, a more experienced centre-half and and possibly cover a, a left-back. And Hickey can actually play right-back as well. So he ticks two boxes.
1: Chris, what do you think? Chris Commons, what's your view on that? Maybe even if he does go to Bayern and signs, would he come back on loan? Maybe it's Celtic.
0: I'm unsure about that. I think he is a terrific talent. He's a good young player, but still untried and tested at the top level. I think Celtic right now, with everything that's on the line, you think 10 in a row, they're wanting to win as many trophies as possible under Neil Lennon in these next 12 months. They're also looking to guarantee places in the Champions League group stages. I think you need experience. You need people that, when they hear that Champions League music, that they're ready for it. I think Aaron Hickey is young. He's not staged that just yet. Is he better than Taylor? I'm unsure. You know, it's, it's, it's a flip of a coin at the minute. Great potential. Got a big future ahead of him, but he's still playing, you know, at this minute for a championship club. So I think they need to go out and uh, probably spend two, three, maybe even four five million on a on a left back that is guaranteed to put pressure on the likes of Taylor. Yeah. There's no question that bolongolo will be looking for a move. You know, I think his Celtic career is finished. So they need someone that is, you know, when you look in the dressing room, you go, yeah, I can rely on him. I can put my hat on him. He's the one that will... Uh, secure that left-hand side of the defence. And, you know, I think Aaron Hickey could be one that will be um, possibly one that
1: will come through in probably, I don't know, what, 12, 24 months' time. Mm-hmm. And, Chris, when you look at Rangers, you know, improving with Ruth there, Etan, Morel is still there. Did that surprise you? What do you think of the two new signings?
0: Yeah, it's a little strange with Morelos. It's like a... Isn't it? He's got a bit of a myth, a myth around him, hasn't he? Yeah. About the uh, the people that are coming in, and uh, obviously the, the the bids that are coming in and stuff like that. No question, you know, still a young player that's learning his trade. He's a, a you know a very physical player. I like the look of him. I don't think he's a complete natural finisher just yet. But again, still young, um, got a lot to learn in the game. Um, I, I would say that one thing that he does need to curb is is you know his fiery side, his temper. Yes. Mm-hmm. But channel that into different avenues like running centre-offs into channels and coming short and spinning. You know, all of that, I think he will be a top, top player. Is it worth the money that they're speaking just yet? I'm unsure. But um, there's one thing for sure. Alfredo Morelos will either be an angry man on the pitch or he'll be an angry man inside that dressing room if he doesn't get what he wants. Yeah,
1: Marvin, you played against him at the weekend. What What did you make of him?
5: Yeah, I think he's a he's a very good player. Um, he, he was slightly frustrated at the weekend. You know, I think our centre house, you know, um, did a really good job on him, and he, he wasn't really getting the service that, that he desired, and obviously ended up being replaced. And, and one thing that kind of stuck in my mind is that he didn't even go up to his teammate on halfway line and, and, and wish him luck. He kind of just walked straight to the dugout. So that's one side of it. But you know, do you want players coming off and being happy? You know, it's, it's probably a flip of a coin in terms of his value. You know, I, I think I think in Scotland far too often we undervalue players when they leave. You know, you look at Ollie Watkins down in, in England scoring in the championship and, and suddenly he's worth £20 million. Yeah. You know, so if he's worth £20 million and Morales has played in Europe and, and scored goals in in the top flight in Scotland, then, you know, you should be holding that for at least that. You know, I think far too often we, we undervalue people and we say, oh, can they do it at the next level? Well, he can definitely do it in the championship in England. You know, so he's worth at least £15 million. Um, so I think, you know, as you saw Livingston, you know, played hardball with Lyndon Dykes. I think, you know, Rangers should do the same.
1: Chris, do you feel the same way too often Scottish players go away for too little money?
0: Yeah, do you know the one thing that's repeatedly happened over the last probably three years yeah. is the likes of the Virgil van Dykes, the yeah. Victor Wanyama's, you know, the yeah. Moussa Dembele's that have left and then within 12, 24 months they have turned their career from yeah. a good solid player to world-class. You know, Moussa Dembele will no question, I think, would be on... Many people's radar in terms of his, you know, his, his age, his strength, his pace, and also his goal scale, scoring ability. But you throw into that that, like I said not so long ago, we did have Virgil van Dijk and Jason Denayer as centre arts. we had Moussa Dembélé as a centre forward. You've got a 25 million pound left back here that's just gone to Arsenal. So yeah. these players that are leaving for 10, 12, 13 million yeah. are now worth 80, 90 million within a year, two years, which is remarkable. If Alfredo Morelos can do that, then certainly the money that Rangers will get through the windfall, which Celtic will receive, obviously with Moussa Dembele as well, it will only add to the quality that then, then they can then afford to go and spend on more players
1: to you know, make the Scottish game even better, which would be superb. How did you feel watching the FA Cup final and watching your old teammate, the young and the ball boy, as he was at the beginning, Kieran Tierney? Yeah. How did you feel, Chris, watching him?
0: Um it's, it's a surprise seeing him. He's, he's, you know, I never thought I'd see him out of a Celtic shirt. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's a guy who wears Celtic shirts on holiday. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? he's, not, um, he's not this. <laughs> so, yeah, to see him in a different shirt is very strange. It's something that I'm going to get, you obviously, I have to get used to. But an outstanding, just a great lad. Honestly, the, you can't speak a bad word about Kieran a great, great lad deserves everything that comes his way in terms of success and Everything you know comes with that, but uh, I've only just seen a picture of him, obviously cuddling the FA Cup, which yeah, great, great picture, and yeah, terrific lad, deserves everything. Just
1: a real good, honest professional. And Marvin, he had such a, you know a tough time last season as well with injury that we didn't quite realise what he was coming through.
5: Yeah, no, exactly. And, and before the break, also you know he had the injury at, at Arsenal as well, and I'm an Arsenal supporter, uh, you know. I, so when uh, yeah, Arsenal signed yeah. him, yeah, I, I yeah. was I was very very happy. But you know he's coming to his own now. And you know that's the kind of the thing I was saying about Hickey. When these players are exposed to the next level, Tierney, when he came, three people would have been like, "Oh, he's too young, he's too inexperienced." When you expose these people, you know, to a high level, and, and you've seen Tierney do it at Celtic and now doing it at Arsenal in the Premier League and take it in their strides, and yeah, he's been absolutely fantastic. And seeing him walk in with the uh, Tesco bag as well—that was a that's yeah. That, not that that yeah. <laughs> well,
1: that's him, isn't it? Understated. Yeah, Chris. Before you go, we want to ask you um, about Neil Lennon. A second or two—you know him so well. Huge season yep. for him. Uh, but before that, what about you? Europe then so Celtic um, they coasted the other night next up it's the Hungarian champions what do you think?
0: Yeah well I always like obviously the, the fact that they are playing at Celtic Park yeah. um, you know it's more familiar surroundings obviously but um, when I was in that dressing room you always expect certainly from inside the group that you would get through these first two yeah. um, qualifications so I fully expect them to win the game it was always the, you know, the last one. Let's get into the Champions League group stage. That's the one that is the uh, the worry, the concern, because you just never know. These teams are good. If you don't play at your top ability, then, you know, you can get found out. But I fully expect them to win. Um, and you know, being in that dressing room, Neil Lennon will have a an agenda of qualification for Champions League. If not, we will look to try and progress through uh, the Europa League. But make no mistake, uh, mistake about it the be-all and end-all of the season will be uh, winning the league.
3: Yeah.
1: And what about Neil Lennon then? You know him so well, played alongside him, played uh, for him a couple of times. Yep. What are his qualities? Because coming in after Brendan Rodgers uh, must have been really, really tough. What do you think he's brought to that position?
0: Um, I, th- I think he's a, he's a very, very calm character. Um, yeah. I think he's a character that can certainly lose his temper when needed to, but... Yeah. I think he likes to keep his players, you know, firmly focused and um, mentally ready for everything that's coming. I think he knows as a player um, just how much it is to lose for Celtic. I think he knows how much, obviously, it is to win for Celtic. But he brings that experience of knowing what Celtic's about. There was a huge thing when I signed for Celtic in my first couple of years—is yeah. knowledge of what is required and what's, you know, what, what is expected of you as a Celtic player. And I think he, you know, there's no man in that dressing room that you would want there other than Neil Lennon. You know, everything, you know, he's the man that started this in the first place. So if there's any man to finish it and get to ten, the then he's he's the man. But certainly his backroom staff, you know, everything that goes on behind the scenes at Lennox Town. it will need everyone around him because, you know, there will be a lot of pressure yeah. with every game, with every minute, with every ball that gets kicked. There will be pressure throughout this whole season. And um, I think he's the man to, you know, be there. He's been there and done. He's got the T-shirt. So, yeah, but I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it.
1: Marvin, who would have believed that, uh, that he's got calmness? You wouldn't have thought that watching him playing.
5: <laughs> or having him as a manager. <laughs> I think yeah. Chris is being nice. I didn't see Neil Lennon come too many times, but he's a fantastic motivator. Yeah. You know, the, the best motivating manager I've ever had. Um, absolutely brilliant. Gets you wanting to go out there and, and fight for the cause, the fans and, and everyone else. Um, so for me, a yeah, fantastic manager. Um, and as I said, a brilliant, brilliant motivator. Chris, thanks so much if for joining call us. with me, yeah. though,
0: Marvin, because <laughs> I, I usually did everything
5: uh, <laughs> You had that left foot, though. We're not all blessed with that, mate. <laughs> and Chris? Yeah, it just,
0: it just, like, yeah. Chris, just put that in there for me, will you? No problem.
1: <laughs> and good luck with you and Lisa. You do such great work with the charity Simba. So thank you so much. I know you've yeah. done the kilt walk. It's amazing the work you do. Chris Commons, thanks very much no for worries. joining us on Go Tonight.
5: Take care, mate. The Ball Radio Football Show. Let's go!
1: Paul Cooney with Ali Defoy and Marvin Bartley keeping us right up to date. What did happen earlier on Marvin in the traffic?
5: <laughs> <laughs> well, what happened was last yeah. time I was in my car there yeah. was an accident on the motorway so I set it to back roads. So ah. I put in this sat-nav today and it was taking me all this different route and I was like, wow, where am I? And yeah, the Dermotor Pass A a bit much. <laughs> yeah. Marvin, it's
1: great you're with us. You're with us till 7 on the Go Radio Football Show 0808 08 17 17 700. So we'll take more of your calls in a moment or two. St Johnson, Aberdeen coming soon. We'll have the latest team news from Rob McLean other headlines tonight Leeds pursuing Ryan Kent but Marvin you don't think that's going to happen do you?
5: No I don't think Rangers should be entertaining any bid for him Um, you know I know a lot of people last season were talking about his lack of assists and goals but again he's a player who gets you on the the edge of your seat well when fans are allowed back in um, I don't think you should be selling him especially for £10 million Um, You know, I don't think it'll make any sense at all
1: Okay, we're going to go on uh, to the calls now Uh, Gary's on the line a Rangers fan from East Kilbride. Hi Gary good evening Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my call tonight. Not at all. What do you think on that? Can I ask you, first of all, what you think? Marvin says no way would Ryan Kent be sold to Leeds or anybody.
9: I think as a Rangers fan, you've just got to hold your breath on it and just like pray that that doesn't happen. Um, like, he's obviously probably our most deadly player that we have just now. Uh, and would have a massive impact on the season ahead. Uh, and especially this season, we don't want to see him leave.
1: It's going to be some year, isn't it? Uh, and... <laughs> The fans back in the stadium, hopefully uh, from the 14th September. I mean, we don't know how many. Uh, would you have any hesitation going back, Gary?
9: Well, funnily enough, myself and my son actually got a season ticket for the first time this season right. for yeah. Um So first of all, we wanted to obviously put money into the club, um, but we were quite happy to hold off uh, until it's obviously safe to go back. But my wee boy, he's 12 years of age and he's just absolutely dying to get there, yeah. like to Brooks and see his first
7: old film game. That'll probably be on the 2nd of October against Rods County, all going well. Would uh, well, that be yeah, a good game finger, for you, Gary? <laughs> <laughs> Dude,
9: I'm not going to give him that date
7: just yet. Yeah, <laughs> 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 Hold back.
1: You'll be as cautious as Jason Leach there. We'll just have to, you know, wash the hands, keep your distance, but it'll be great to get back.
7: wait right, Gary, what's in your
1: mind for tonight?
9: We okay, asked you... So, yeah. So the, the actual point was... Sort of raised last night on the show. Mm-hmm. Funnily enough, by uh, another person called Gary as well. Okay. Um, but it was really relating to the the Rangers like academy, yeah. and it was touched upon last night with Barry Ferguson. But I was wanting to like get sort of Marvin's point of view on: Is he surprised after being in Scottish football for quite a few years now, the lack of actual like youngsters like getting into the Rangers first team?
5: It's so interesting that you made that point. Um, on my A license, we actually had the head of the Rangers Academy um, on the call. I can't remember his name now for the life of me. Um, it was such an interesting thing he was talking about. And it was about the the five year cycle that Rangers wanted to implement. So obviously what had happened in the past with the Academy and like you're saying, they weren't bringing enough players through. You know, Rangers have really tried to to change this now and they're trying to get boys into the first team, in and around the first team. and. Maybe one or two have, have come through and just not made it. Um, you see Macquarie obviously going off to to, to Aberdeen on loan. Um, I think everyone had massive hopes for him, but he named a few players. I think there was a right-back. Um, you might know his name. Well, well, young... well, do
9: you know, Nathan Patterson played yeah. the right-back for Rangers. I was actually on a flight back from Heathrow last year and there was an Arsenal scout that sat beside me mm-hmm. on that flight and he was actually specifically going to Ibrooks to look at Nathan Patterson. Now, if someone of the sort of quality of Arsenal, who have obviously like recently taken like Tierney like down there, are interested in actually going to spend the time to go to Ibrooks and look at Patterson, you, you have to ask the question like for these boys, would they actually be better off away from Ibrooks to develop their careers? Because Patterson's never the way it's sitting just now. He's not going to get in in front of like Tavernier. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, you know, and and you look at the. Within their squad just now you've got Patterson at eighteen, you've got Mayo twenty, Kai Kennedy at eighteen, Josh McPake, who appears to be the one that sticks out and you, you everybody thinks is going to be the next like best thing like for Rangers, but doesn't appear to be anywhere near like the first team. Uh Bar Jonas at twenty one, Ross McCrory, obviously twenty two, who's moved away, and then you obviously know Robbie, like his yeah. brother quite yeah. well uh, at Livingston. And just none of them appear to even get a sniff, really, at getting like a couple of games in the first like team and starting.
5: I think I think that will change. Obviously, like you said, Tavernier at right back, it's it's probably not a better right back in the country that you know um, that you, you're going to be behind. So he's going to learn an awful lot off him. I think probably the cup games he'll probably get you know, his chance kind of to shine and with Steven Gerrard being a manager as well, you know, what what better man to, to bring through young players? You know, what better no. person to go for, uh, for advice? So, you know, I think that the young Rangers players are in good hands and like you say, they've also got to be good enough. We can't just have, you know, putting in young players just because they're young and they've came through the academy. They need to be good enough and it seems that the the current crop are going to be good enough. I get there might be a, a slight impatience from them. They, they want more football but you're playing at one of the top, top clubs. So, you know, you need to, to be good enough, and you've seen with Robbie coming on loan to us. You know he wants to get some first team football to go back and be, you know, Rangers number one one day. And you know I, I, I strongly believe that he will he will uh, succeed in that.
9: I mean, you, you've obviously played at Ibrooks, like, like Marvin.
5: Yep.
3: Have you
9: felt the pressure on these young guys when you've actually played at Ibrooks when they come on? Have you felt that they're under pressure because, you know, I'm, I'm taking like Charlie Adam. Like, for instance, OK? Yeah. Charlie Adam was at Rangers, and Charlie Adam was under a lot of pressure, like as a youngster, like when he was at Ibrox. Now, I have a debate with people, because I say Charlie Adam is probably in the top five Scottish football players to play in the English Premier League
3: yep. in the
9: last, like, 10, 15 years. Yep. they played at a high level for Liverpool. He scored, ultimately, the, the all-time <laughs> Premier League goal against Chelsea, like yep. for Stoke. Yep. Um... Yeah, there's a guy that couldn't actually establish a career
5: at Rangers. Yeah, but like you say, the pressure definitely is massive. I feel the pressure on I'm an away player. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know how these young boys must feel, you know, going on. And, and like you said, not not all fans are as understanding of you, not just at Rangers, but any club, you know, when things are going well, they want to see young players going in. But it's, it's, it has to be the right time, you know, because you, it can have an adverse effect on these players. You throw a young boy into a game when the team's not doing well or, you know, there's a lot of pressure on the team. As it is, you know they're not really going to get the benefits of playing the game. So you have to dip them in and out at the right times when you are winning games, when you're comfortable in games. Um, you know when you get a, a team in a cup from a from a lower division. So there, there has to be an element of patience as well about it. But of course, but, but there's going then,
9: to be pressure. Uh, but Marvin, do you think that within like Scottish football, as in like youth development in mm-hmm. Scottish football, do you think we have it set like correctly in Scotland? You know where, where I'm coming from. There is mm-hmm. that in England, you play competitive games. Yeah from an early age in Scotland our kids are taken into these development like clubs and like the Rangers and Celtic and it's all tiered and like nothing is actually scored there's no league tables mm-hmm. there's no competitive aspect within Scottish football
3: yeah.
9: up to a very like kind of what are you talking about 16 yeah. 17 18 like, and does that then not have an impact for these boys because they're playing yeah. at a certain level then all of a sudden like they hit that just full on
5: Yeah, no, I I definitely agree. And that's why I think also, you know, boys going on loan when they're younger helps because you are playing for three points and someone's job is on the line. Um... I'm with you you know I think football should be scored kind of at all ages especially when you go into 11 a side and, and there should be league tables um, you know we all want to be winners at the end of the day I think with the model with you know Rangers Celtic and, and Hibs have done it as well now they've got B teams so what they do do they don't play against you know other uh, Scottish teams all the time they go down and play against English teams and, and try and get them more competitive games um, I know Rangers were, were talking about that as I said on, on the A licence Zoom call that you know they want their boys to be in, in situations of, of stress almost and they're not going to get that against other Scottish chains because they are so dominant.
1: All right, Gary, thanks for that great call on the Go Radio Football Show. Next up, we're going to Cardonald, and Ross is in the line. Ross, good evening.
10: Hello, Ross. Um, it was just a kind of point. I was, yeah. watched the the si Ferry thing with Tierney yesterday. Yeah, and I said I thought it was a great, I thought it was a great interview, but it was a bit when he spoke about the the abuse that he received when he left. Yeah. Now it's kind of a related point to that. I was always a big fan of him, I still wish him well, I've kind of defended him online a lot because of the abuse that he gets, and I always found it very kind of sickening to see the abuse that he got, but a, a lot of people were giving him abuse because they felt as if he showed disloyalty to Celtic, and I always found that, I was like, right, I can kind of understand the point of where if you don't care, right, whatever, but the abuse was wrong, but I've I've said before, I've been on the show before and mm. I, I kind of help run a, a Celtic group on Facebook, and every day I see abuse and passion of James Forrest, mm. a player who's shown nothing but but loyalty to Celtic for ten like that's be the tenth year, yeah. and I, I find it hard to kind of comprehend that a player who year on year has improved, and has came through the youth academy done everything Kieran uh, Tierney done, yeah. but stayed for six years more and is still there.
1: Player and of the year as well. Yeah, he was player of the year. It's a strange one, yep. Ross, isn't it? I mean, one of the things is here in go in Glasgow. Zone, we want to be positive about football um, and society, and of course there are problems. But I don't understand it, Ross. Why? Why that would happen?
10: Um, I mean, I, I see it as the the one that I mean the, the, the forest stats alone are phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I remember a couple of years back he he played the most games out of any other player I think in Europe, and the next year. The player that got that accolade was uh, Callum McGregor. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a lot of people that still won't take to Callum McGregor. They just think that he does nothing within them at all the park, mm. And yeah. and it just feels like to me that see if James Forrest had came up from Stoke uh, six, seven years ago, I don't think he would get anywhere near as much of the bashing as that he gets because it's from he came from the youth
1: academy, Marvin. Good point. Sometimes the homegrown talent, you know, we, we don't quite recognize it.
5: Yes, it, I agree with you 100%. You know, homegrown players are, are never treated the same. You know, like you say, if you would have came from a Stoke or you know, a Premier League team at or Liverpool, or Man City, or something like that, people will be saying, Oh, what a player he's been. Look at his stats, look at you know, player of the year, blah blah blah. Look at mm-hmm. his trophy, trophy hill. But you know, it, it's just the way of the world sometimes, you know, and, and like you say, people. Ask for loyalty, but it only really works one way because you know. Look what Forrest has done at Celtic and still doing it at Celtic, and you still got people you know who who are abusing him, like you say. Um, hmm. but, uh, but I, yeah. I
10: mean, abusing might be the wrong term. Yeah. but yeah. it's more the, it, the, the the constant kind of excessive stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. constantly putting them down. Yeah, and yeah. Now I, I kind of obviously running the group. I see, da- I see it daily, mm-hmm. and it, I, I kind of find it odd when they, they kind of say. Uh, James Forrest always needs uh, needs competition every year he mm-hmm. had uh, Patrick Roberts a couple of years back yeah, yeah, and it really worked great because it did kind of push him on mm-hmm. but right now we're in a position where uh, obviously Bowley's not going to be any part of the team we've only got one left back and I've not really seen many people talk about the fact that Taylor needs competition yeah. he needs somebody yeah. that if he's not fit or somebody well, to push him on that's right but
1: Chris Common said authority. that a few minutes ago. It's, it's a great point you make, Ross. Yes. You're absolutely right. Ross, before we go, we've got the news in a minute. How do you feel you'd be pleased about the other night against Reykjavik? What about Dundee United this weekend? It's a huge match, isn't it?
10: Yeah, I, I don't want to be disparaging towards uh, Reykjavik. Um, but I, I feel uh, personally, Dundee United will be a harder challenge yeah. than, than the game we had the other night. Mm-hmm. Big, big change in that is that that was a one-legged affair. Basically, you had to win that game to get through it the next round. So, Reykjavik had to kind of... They couldn't just sit 10 minutes in a box. Now, I'm not saying Dundee United will do that, but because it's a league, they can kind of like go around and say, we want, we're want all going to go for a, a draw. Whereas, Reykjavik couldn't do that. But I think okay. Celtic need to kind of find a spark somewhere. Like what you had after Kamarnock where they couldn't break down in the back line. It took a kind of a wild free kick from Christie to get a goal. Yep. So I think there's a couple of things that might need to be looked at but I still think there's when shown already that he's got a creative spark. Yep. Went away to the biking back with three-five-two and blew a lot of the teams out of the water with a three-five-two.
1: Well he knows how to change so it and he doesn't hesitate. Ross, the news is coming up. Listen, thanks for your call. Cy Ferry will be on here tomorrow night and uh, we'll be back just after the news with more. The
0: Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go!
1: Thanks Nancy News and spider Woman. there We've got our own Spider Woman, Ali Defoy Ali the I numbers, the, the socials for tonight
7: <laughs> Get in touch Yeah we're on 0808 17 17 700 If you want to get in touch On the phone lines Socials Go Football Show Or you can drop us a text It's your normal network rate To 87474 And put the word Go at the start of your message Marvin
5: Batley
1: is with us As well Good first hour Some uh, great stuff there With
5: Chris Comments Yeah no brilliant stuff You know He's called no linen Calm So uh-huh. Whatever Chris is drinking That
1: was the headline Barry Ferguson will be on next week, he was on last night, it was a great chat with Alec McLeish, was on, in fact there were so many Mark McGee last night and Lee uh, Lee McCulloch, who I didn't realise had uh, a Masters degree.
7: Yes I know a Masters in Sport Directorship if I've remembered that correctly, quite impressive eh?
1: Well you can always find out a special fact, well our next (laughs) guest, I'm delighted now, is an MBE, it's the National Football Manager Shelley Kerr is joining us now, Shelley good evening
11: Good evening Paul, Ali, Marvin hope you're all
3: well
1: The full full cast here tonight, we're trying to (laughs) wipe out unemployment and broadcasting in one fell swoop. And Shelley, you and I would have met in April because you'd agreed, along with Sir Tom Hunter, to uh, lead off uh, the Kilt Walk, the Glasgow Kilt Walk. But like so many things because of the pandemic, it didn't happen, but it will be happening virtually. But thank you, Shelley. I know that football and footballers and people involved in the game have got such a commitment to help the community. And, And I know you didn't hesitate to support us.
11: No, definitely. I think there's lots of charities out there that that need the support and it's a, it's brilliant to be in the position to do that. But obviously, down to COVID, it didn't go ahead, but hopefully we can do it when the time's right.
1: Have you been okay with it all? I, I mean, I saw you on the television the other day watching uh, Marvin in action uh, <laughs> and others, but... <laughs>
11: Yeah, and I didn't criticise. I'm honest. Man, I, um, um. It's, it, I think I think you know it's such a unique situation for everyone, and everyone deals with it in a different way. Um, you know, and I think you you have to put things into perspective. We all have a passion for football, but um, you know, there's a, a lot of things happening out there in the world that is unique. So um, I, I have to be honest. The last kind of month or so, um, I've struggled a bit, and yes. but it's been great to have football back and. You know, it gives you a more positive outlook on things.
1: And we heard from Nicola Sturgeon earlier that the fans will be in soon. Uh, Let's hear from Jim Goodwin Shelley, who's been talking about how he feels the fans could be back in the next couple of weeks. Ah, it's fantastic news. Yeah, it really is. Um, You know, obviously, no doubt everybody in football will welcome, uh, you know,
4: that statement from the First Minister. You know, hopefully everything goes according to plan between
1: now and then. Uh, and that gives us all something to look forward to you know the supporters are a huge part of our game and um, you know we need that atmosphere uh, both home and away and we're absolutely delighted now that they've got the 14th of September to look forward to Yep Shelley it can't come soon enough
11: No I think listen I think this football um, the Premiership has given us all something to look forward to that you know, the, the supporters are the life bloody football. and um, So it will be great to have them back, obviously, when it's safe to do so. But there's been some cracking games. And as I say, I, I mean, I, when I look at games, I look at them from a tactical perspective. But you can't beat the support being in the grounds. And, um, you know, certainly it is brilliant that we're going to have that, you know, very, very soon
1: so what about uh, Scotland I mean there's been such a, a surge on women's football Shelley you're at the vanguard there uh, all the way to the World Cup last year the attention in the last two years has been phenomenal it's been absolutely right and then of course comes the pandemic and it's affecting everything what are the steps back for you because the matches coming up I think Cyprus uh, and also Portugal but um, what's the latest on these matches
11: yeah well you know it's a good question I was hoping to get the you know finalised news today but there has been scope to change those fixtures because um, it's a little bit different in the women's game. A lot of our players are in a position where they haven't um, played any games. Yeah. And to put players in that position, you know, playing an international match before you play club football is very difficult. And you have to be mindful of the players' health and well-being. That That's the most important thing. And then we're talking about creating bubbles for club football But if you imagine international football, you've got players traveling from so many different locations. We we are captains based in America. So, you know, you've got the quarantine situation. So it's very complex. And the Euros was put back a year, um, obviously, to 2022. At this moment in time, um, the Cyprus and Portugal games are scheduled to go ahead. However, that is subject to change and it might be rearranged to February 2021. So we're just waiting to find that out. But you you rightly said we're scheduled to play Cyprus away on the 18th of September and Portugal at home on the 22nd of September
1: really tough Marvin isn't it we, we you forget all these different things that the travel the people that are not necessarily full time I mean Leanne Crichton for example and we'll speak to her later uh, is with Glasgow City and they've not had any matches and they're playing Wolfsburg who have been playing
5: yeah I know it's it's, it's so unfair you know what a disadvantage that you know Glasgow City are going to uh, be in because like you said Wolfsburg have been playing games you know they're used to playing and, and then you've got the girls from Glasgow City who are you know, almost going into it cold and, and such a huge, huge game and, and like Shelley touched on there, with players coming from all different locations, it's so difficult for, for, for international teams to meet up, um, you know, and, and would I be right in saying that some of the players are, are actually part time so some of them will still be working as well Shelley at the moment?
11: Yeah, I mean, in terms of the national team, we've less players now, you know, that are are not playing a professional, so most of them are playing a professional environment, but we do have some that obviously are juggling whether it's education or work, so it is very difficult, and, you know, you rightly said about Glasgow City, they've had to go through really strict protocols to obviously take part in this, this stage of the Champions League, so it is very difficult. We also have a challenge as well in terms of, You know, we've now been in the UEFA guidelines at single rooms rather than double rooms. So the players normally share. We've got to take a charter um, flight as well um, and try and get into the countries and get back as quickly and safely as possible. So there's there's a whole lot of implications, you know, with international football, especially in the women's game.
1: James Anderson is a name and someone I know you'll want to praise for what he's doing for the women's game at the moment.
11: It's an incredible gesture across the whole of the Scottish football, yeah. but obviously he's, he's donated to Glasgow City and Scottish women's football as well. And you know we we are all fighting for the same resource in football in Scotland because of the financial climate. But it's it's such a brilliant gesture, and it's one that's been greatly received from the women's game.
7: Shelley, it's Ali here. Uh, just wondering, because not here tonight, I can ask this. You did open goal <laughs> with him on the <laughs> Drive Smart thing. How was that? What was it like?
11: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was fantastic. Um I you know, I think what a lot of people forget about Simon is he's he's an intelligent lad and uh, he understands football but he's got great personality and I absolutely loved um, you know, chatting to him and I think he's he's had great success with his podcasts and it was actually a driving awareness um podcast which was great. So um that no, was fantastic and I actually went to watch him play. Um, he played again he played for Peter Head against Airdrie, so I went to Airdrie to watch him so mm. I gave him some feedback after the game, which uh, go on. <laughs> <laughs>
7: fell us in what what happened? What was the feedback? Oh.
11: <laughs> no, I said I, I called him Safety Sam. I said he kept on passing the ball sideways, and he wasn't too happy about it. He says, Don't say that about me. So no, he's he's a fantastic lad, and you know I'm so pleased that he's doing so well. But. I think what people forget is that you know he is a good footballer as well mm. and um, he's got fantastic personality and he'll, he'll do really well I'm 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 just it's just a shame that I've missed him tonight.
1: Yeah, well come back on come on with him we'll be on tomorrow night Shelley and uh, he and, and, Mondays, and Barry so. Ferguson are uh, you know making quite a, a double act um and I was saying to Marvin as well that's maybe the next steps for you although you're still playing <laughs> playing the premiership and uh, still a way to go
5: Marvin. Yeah, I'm still trying to keep the old legs going. Um oh, I've got yeah. another season after this on my contract and I'm really interested in my coaching if I'm honest you know so I'm doing my badges and stuff at the moment uh, really really enjoying that side of thing. you know I'll be running Livingston Reserves also as a manager this season coming up so yeah it's, it's an interesting time for me definitely
1: Shelley what about Scotland the men's game it's too soon for the fans to come in but uh, huge month coming up for us in September
11: yeah, I mean, listen, we are a passionate nation. We want the national team to do well and um, you know, I, I think Steve's done a fantastic job. Obviously, they've not played much football either and um, you know, we, we need to hit the ground running and let's get us to the finals because I think it would lift the whole nation, but um, and that's not me really putting pressure on Steve, but I think I think we've got the players to do it. Um, and, you know, I, I heard the show earlier, we're talking about some Scottish talent there and, and and we've got it across the board. I think sometimes we don't get the credit in Scotland, especially the clubs for producing players. And, um, you know, I think you know, hopefully it's our time. It's our time to get to our finals.
7: Shelley, you were awarded an MBE. I mean, you must have been so proud. How was that moment?
11: Do you know something? It's it's down to everyone else. I was I not say embarrassed because when you get such an accolade and award, of course it's it's really humbling. But it was a fantastic experience, and you know, and mostly for my mum. You know, it was it great to take her down to Buckingham Palace. But I think it's for services to football, and it's a, it's a sport that I've been passionate about. You know, I got involved as a structure, and there was many many challenges, and you know, people would look at the award because it was taking the team to the World Cup. It's the years of kind of hard work from others that have paved the way for me to get involved. So there's yeah, there was a whole host of people I think that are instrumental. But it was a it was a very, very special day and but but more so for my mum and my daughter.
1: Huge amount of work going into it, Shelley. And what about the squad that you've got? I know it's such a difficult time just now and you mentioned her, I mean Rachel Corsey, for example, when she can, she's across the Atlantic, the attitude you don't really get call offs, do you?
11: No, um, no, we don't. Um it's listen, there are a hungry group of players, um, very talented, they've worked really, really hard and as I say, I'm so pleased now that there's so many of them got professional contracts because they deserve it. Um and it's very competitive. I think one of the first kind of things that we put in place um certainly three years ago was to, you know, create a competitive environment. You know, we always say it should be an honour and to play for the national team and no one should feel that they've got the given right to start. So we've made it really competitive and we've got a depth of talent there that we can choose from and it makes my job really difficult in terms of selecting um, the team. But obviously it's tough right now going into potentially these two games to try and select a squad because... There's effectively no games. Obviously, we've got Champions League, Women's Champions League at the weekend. and Tomorrow, Glasgow City play and Arsenal play on um, on Saturday. But out with that, um, you know, even with the announcement last week, some of our players in Scotland haven't been able to train. Yeah. So it's very difficult. But we have got an extremely talented group of players, and you know, we we've um, qualified for two finals back to back, and we want to make it a third. So. Um, Certainly they're a pleasure to work with, and you know we're always trying to get that little bit extra out of them because international football is extremely tough.
1: Yeah uh, the match is on tomorrow night on to BBC Alba, so Glasgow City against Wolfsburg. I think it's fair to say they're not expecting to go any further, although we would love it, Shelley, wouldn't we? but they've not been able to play.
11: No, it's it's really difficult. I think Glasgow City have had one or two friendlies to prepare. Um, they have been back training for a little while, so that's been good um, initially starting off small group training. Um, but, you know, you mentioned Wilsburg. I think they've won it twice, um, back-to-back, um, Champions League. But I know when I was a manager at Arsenal Women's Team, we played them in the semi-final, and they beat them in the semi-final of the Champions League since 2013-14 season. And they've got a whole host of... You know international stars, and it's going to be tough. Um, You know, I don't know how Scott will set the team up. Will he, you know, try and press them, or will he sit in and um, try and counter? It's going to be tough. The budget alone, you know, it's just the contrast is massive. So they've done fantastic, Glasgow City, to get to this stage, and and I'm sure that they will want to, you know, give a good account of themselves. and showcase, you know, the talent that they have, even although they are huge underdogs in this game.
1: All right, Shelley, before you go, you mentioned uh, the manager, Scott Booth, his old club, Aberdeen, they're playing at St Johnson tonight. What do you think is going to happen?
11: <sighs> That's a tough one. Think, <laughs> you know, That's why I asked um, you. <laughs> no. I, I, th- I think, um, obviously, um, Aberdeen, you know, stopped start to the season, even although it's, it's early. Um, St Johnson, obviously, Got a great result at the weekend against Kilmanuk. Um so I think it'll be a tough one. But I, I, I think Aberdeen will just shade it That's my prediction.
5: Marvin, I'm, I'm going for a draw. I'm going to sit on the fence. Um, I think because of Aberdeen <laughs> haven't haven't played, you know, that many games, and obviously they've had this time off, and you know we don't know how many of the boys, the, the naughty boys, are going to be back uh, in the squad today. <laughs> so I'm not sure how much training they've had either. So I'm going to go for a draw.
1: Ross McCrory a good signing, Shelley. You'd agree, I think, for Aberdeen. He's got so much promise.
11: Excellent signing for Aberdeen and, and for Ross himself as well. Obviously, you want to be playing. He's, he's obviously been at Rangers, where they've got so much talent in that team. And you know, he's a young player. He's still a young player and one of our best young players. So, all young players need to play. You need to play as many minutes and get as much experience as possible. And you know, I'm sure he'll slot into that Aberdeen team and get the minutes that he needs. But it's a great signing.
1: And we're showcasing Scottish football at the moment, with it being live on on the television. And what a season this could be for Celtic and Rangers, but it won't be for both of them. It's going to be one of them, Shelley, isn't it?
11: Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think again, it's very, very early to predict anything. It's so early on in the season, but um, yeah, I think it's got the makings of a real competitive season. And, and who knows what, how it's going to unfold, but. Um certainly the games itself. Everyone will talk about Celtic and Rangers. You know, I've been impressed by Dundee United. I think mm-hmm. they have came up from the championship. I think they get a new manager in Mickey Mellon. I've been really impressed with them. St Myrne you know, I've watched a couple of their games, they've almost got a, a full new backline They've been very solid defensively. So you know, and and you know, obviously Marvin Livingston, you know, pulled off a great result at the weekend as well. So, I, you know, I, I like to look at out with Celtic and Rangers as well, um, because I think that Scottish football needs that. Um, so, but it is going to be a battle between the two of them, and uh, even Ross County. I haven't I've mentioned Ross County. Yeah. I've certainly been impressed with them as well. Got off to a great start, and um, obviously, um, yeah, I've watched a lot of the games, and as I say, you've got Rangers and Hibs at the top of the league just now.
5: Marvin? Yeah, um, I'm with Shelley. You know, I think it's going to be go to the final week and this is can only be a good thing for Scottish football. You know, I think for, for too long, it's been over with three, four weeks to go. Um, so yeah, I think it will go literally to the last week before Rangers made the two signings, the, the two centre forwards. I was I was more Celtic than Rangers for sure. But I definitely believe, you know, with, the, with them two additions, it's going to go to the final week.
1: Shelley Kerr, thanks very much for joining us we look forward to seeing you in the coming weeks Shelley and, and getting back to the football as well and um, we'll see you on the telly too Thank you Shelley Kerr joining us Coming up next it's going to be well, Leanne Crichton later in the programme we're then going to go to St Johnson against Aberdeen, get the team news and in a few moments we'll look back on the, the great life and career of Tam Forsyth courtesy of Archie McPherson
7: The Bull Radio Football
3: Show Let's go!
7: You're listening to the Go Radio Football Show with me, Ali DeFoy, Paul Cooney and special guest Marvin Bartley. We're live weekdays at 5 to 7pm and if you want to get in touch, you've got a burning question, give us a call 0808 17 17 or you can drop us a text, text the message GO at the start 87 874 874 or you can get us on the socials Go Football Show.
1: Ali, we've got the governor on now, the man that uh, so many people have listened to over the years and still do, and he talks, talks such great sense, writes so well about football. It's Archie McPherson is on the line tonight. Archie, good evening. Very good evening to you. Archie, thanks for joining us. Uh, first of all, it's good news, isn't it, that the fans will be coming back into the ground soon, we hope, because as uh, an old friend of yours and a legend said, football without fans is nothing.
8: Absolutely. Um, we've got to go with the science. And by the way, I apologise for the seagulls you might hear in the <laughs> background. I'm up in the East Nuka Fife at the moment. Love uh, I love them, but uh, yeah. sometimes they're a, a damn nuisance, I'll tell you. When, especially when they're above your head. Especially but, if you uh, got some yes. fish and chips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, you, you, you're right. It's um, long coming. I mean, football's not the same. I watch it. Obviously, I watch it on television mostly. Well, like everybody else I watch yeah. on television now. And it's not the same. It's like um, it's like plastic art. It's like doing uh, painting by numbers. It's, it's just not real. Um, and that's why when I started off, I thought, I don't want this phony artificial sound in the background. Mm. Well, I'm with it now. <laughs> because because the silences remind me more of, of training ground uh, games, which... I used to hate going to, you know, watching yeah. training and watching them doing that. It just doesn't seem real. So, yeah, I'm delighted there's news about that, positive news. Yeah.
1: Marvin, we've been saying it's just not the same without the fans. And let's hope in the next few weeks that people, step by step, we get the fans back into the grounds.
5: Definitely. Um, You know, everybody's missing them. As I said, you know, it's, it's definitely not the same. And as Archie said there, it has a training ground feel to it. You know, I definitely think that the Livingston boys felt that in the first game against St Mirren, and until we realised we were bottom of the league because they they had three points and we had zero. So, yeah, you know, we need the fans back definitely for the atmosphere and everything else.
1: Archie, on Friday night, we were all really saddened to hear the news of the passing of Tom Forsyth. And uh, he is such a Rangers and Motherwell legend, such uh, a great person uh, and so popular. And he's someone that you knew really well and you were there commentating over the years. And has not it been lovely to hear some of the stories about Big Tam again?
8: It is indeed. He was um, quite a character. <laughs> that, uh, like many other footballers, the tam that you saw off the field was entirely different from the tam you saw on it. On the field, you know, there was a, a kind of Darth Vader um, impression. He gave you, you know, stalking people, committing to the tackle. I think it was Danny McGreen said, I would rather play with them than against them. Yeah. And he had that rep- fearsome reputation. And sometimes I think, Paul, it detracted from the value. And the ability he had. Let me give you an example. In 1977, I went with the Scottish World Cup squad to Argentina, Chile, and Brazil. Yeah. Now, his performance in the Boca Junior stadium against the host nation Argentina, where Scotland were desperately unfortunate, uh, simply to come away from that with a with a draw. They were in front, and then he conceded a penalty and so on. He was immense. Now, at the end of that tour, it was given for people in the press and the media to vote the player of the of the of the tour. Yeah. Now, one or two of us thought Tam Forsyth was uh-huh. immense, but when we had our secret vote, he didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. Alan Ruff uh-huh. perhaps deservedly got it, and that is why I think his reputation as a a fearsome tackler yeah. sometimes diluted people's impression of him. And uh, in that sense, Danny McGrain was right. He was rather be with you than uh, against you. And you only need to look at his record. I mean, 22 camps for Scotland. He had uh, two trebles with Rangers. And in 1991, uh, 19, uh, when I think I did a commentary for you, Paul, on the Scottish Cup final, um, again, he was part of an inspirational background team at Motherwell where he was assistant manager of course in an amazing game that went to extra time 4-3 I always remember that Um, and so he gave something in the background to Motherwell which he did in the foreground to Rangers so yes he was a a formidable character
1: yeah the 91 cup final he and Tommy McLean and against all the odds that uh, the Ali Maxwell final as well and he brought such joy then to the Motherwell fans he did a great affection for the club as well Fair Park.
8: He, he, he did indeed. He was a, a of supporter in his uh, boyhood days, and he was delighted to be signed by, by the club eventually, and uh, went on to play successfully for them. And uh, of course, was part of a um, a great of management team. And I think, um, notably, of course, he's associated with Rangers, obviously because of Rangers' triumphs uh, under Walter Wallace uh, at that time. But we shouldn't forget. His affiliation with Motherwell and the dedication he gave to a club that, you know, in comparison to Rangers might fade in terms of their achievements, but nevertheless, he was totally committed to them uh, as, as witness what he did as an assistant manager. Mm-hmm
1: never a striker but he scored a goal for Rangers that's uh, in the history books (laughs) and we've seen the footage again this week Archie And Paul was reenacting
7: it in the studio for us Archie
1: I was saying to Marvin
8: well I'll I'll tell you what that was quite a famous day in many ways I had would you believe beside me in the commentary position Billy Connolly no and on the one side there was Billy Connolly doing his Celtic thing On the other side was Bobby Shearer, the former Rangers captain, who, by the way, is is quite a very good, or used to be before he died, sadly, uh, a great after-dinner speaker. So there was a bit of wit going on in that. I remember Bobby said to Billy Connolly at halftime, Billy, do you want a sandwich? And Billy said, no, I've been biting my fingernails the whole (laughs) hour 45 minutes, I'm full I'm full of fingernails. Because, and eventually towards the end of the game came this astonishing goal. Now, you've seen it, but can you imagine being a commentator? When -hmm. the ball hits one post, trundles along the line, and in comes this man who had only, I think, in his life, where Rangers only scored a couple of goals. And he actually puts his foot on the ball. He doesn't actually strike it. I think it was the six studs. And for a moment, it looked as if he would actually miss from three inches. (laughs) And eventually he managed to squeeze it over the line. The most unspectacular goal that ever won a cup final.
1: But he cherished it and he was so, and the family are so proud uh, of him. So, people will be uh, lining the streets in uh, Straven and Stonehouse tomorrow as they, they take him for the final journey. And I, I'm struck by what you said, Archie, about you know that fearsome reputation and the tackling that he would put in, that famous one against Mick Shannon, you remember?
8: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, I, I remember that extremely well. Yeah. From the back, um, j- just getting his foot in, perfectly legal. Uh, and spoiled that opportunity. But let me let me emphasise this, uh, Paul. There are many people who did not know Tamfort Saeed, and they saw him as uh, an uncompromising, committed defender. He was actually, and anybody, I'm not, I'm not trying to, uh, in any way, uh, uh, butter him up or yeah. anything like that. He was genuinely a nice guy. Yeah. He could have lovely conversations with you. He was very helpful. When I needed an interview when I was writing my last book, he was there for me mm-hmm. uh, and gave me long interviews, very helpful, a book about the World Cup. And and he was just so nice, so totally different from the people who simply summed him up for the, the, the hard defender
1: he was. Yeah, and a great dad and husband and granddad as well. So we'll be thinking of yeah, sure. Davy and Dan and all the family and his daughters as well. Tam Forsyth. Absolutely. When will we see his likes again? Just a, an amazing guy, Archie, and it's lovely to hear the stories about it because people don't realise that the players it can be fearsome on the pitch, but then off it, exactly. the people you like and you respect, you like and respect, whether than the blue or the green, or the claret and amber, or black um, and white. Yeah, well, yeah, the black yellow. and white of Saint <laughs> Mirren, yellow of uh, Livingston. Uh, Archie, would you join us in the next couple of weeks? Because I know you've also been working a project on. Uh, About Jockstein. So it would be great if you would join us in the Go Radio studio in the next few weeks. We'd love to hear about that publication coming soon.
10: Yeah? Okay, that's great.
1: Thank you very much. Archie, thank you. Enjoy the the East Nuke of Fife. That's (laughs) Archie (laughs) McPherson. Thanks Thanks very much joining us uh, Marvin I know you You well, You stood for the minute silence at the weekend for Tam and uh, you can tell what a character
5: yeah, yeah you know when you hear people talk about the man you know obviously it was a bit before my time but everyone speaks about him with such great respect and you know there's a few passionate Rangers fans in our change room and you know they were They were truly gutted when it happened and, you know, they had some great stories from their, you know, parents who, what they were talking about. So, you know, I've learned learned a little bit about him recently, but, you know, his his goal in the cup final sounds like something I would score. So, you know, I'm going to definitely look it up. (laughs) It's
1: goals that count, though, aren't
5: they? If they're there in the record book, they're there forever. Exactly.
7: I just want to hear Archie in an audio book. Oh, it's amazing. His books, I'd love him to read, like, audio. That'd be brilliant.
1: (laughs) The mellifluous tones of Archie McPherson. It's great, it's all here. I mean, last night we had Barry Ferguson and uh, with so many characters in the game. Join us here in Glasgow Zone every night between 5 and 7. Um, and also, headlines tonight, what well, we heard from Jim White from Sky Sports News telling us Rangers say no bid from Leeds for Ryan Kent. Rob, that's the news at the moment. So they say no bid for Ryan Kent. We don't expect him to go. Rob's on the line, I think, yeah. Hi, hi, Paul. Hi, Rob. Yeah, we're back <laughs> He's on. waiting for us to <laughs> fall asleep. S- seamless, yeah. Uh, we'll have team news shortly from you, I think, for St. Johnson against Aberdeen.
4: Yeah. Sorry, I thought you were speaking to the Oracle there, um, but uh, no, you'll, you'll settle for me for the moment. I can not give you that Aberdeen news. We've been waiting with bated breath, of course, um, to find out how different they were going to be uh, to the team that last played 19 days ago. Well, five changes is the answer to that, to the Aberdeen team, which lost to Rangers on the opening weekend. Out of the side, Scott McKenna, Andy Considine, uh, Matty Kennedy, Craig Bryson, and uh, the young striker Bruce Anderson, all of those out of the side. So in terms of how they will start in Perth tonight in less than an hour's time, it's Lewis in goals, Hernandez, Taylor, Tommy Hoban in his second spell with Aberdeen, bad injuries he had in his first spell. He's back into the team. Johnny Hayes, one of the Aberdeen eight. He'll play left back by the looks of it tonight. There's a debut for Ross McCrory in the holding midfield position. Uh, Dean Campbell is there as well. Funso Ojo, uh, Lewis Ferguson, you'd imagine will play a little bit further forward uh, tonight. Scott Wright uh, returns to the Aberdeen team. And Niall McGinn plays as well. In terms of the bench for the Dons tonight, uh, Thomas Cherney is there, Shea Logan, uh, some of the young players like McKenzie, and Ruth, they get a chance. Dylan McGeoch's on the bench. Craig Bryson, Connor McLennan, Ryan Hedges, Matty Kennedy. So uh, in terms of the Aberdeen eight, Johnny Hayes plays. McGeoch and Kennedy are on the bench. Uh, players missing, including Sam Cosgrove, uh, Michael Devlin. Andy Considine is suspended, of course. You've Curtis Main injured as well. You've Ryan Edmondson, the young lead striker on loan to Aberdeen. So they've got lots of problems. That still looks a pretty strong team to me tonight for Aberdeen. As for St Johnston, Jamie McCart into the team, David Wotherspoon as well, Sean Rooney and Craig Conway are the two uh, dropping out. It could be quite a game tonight as Aberdeen uh, play their second game of the season, uh, just about two and a half weeks after
1: Game One. And so pleased to have the football back for the Dons fans. They've got A strong lineup, despite you know the injuries, and uh, it's still a, a, a strong lineup for Aberdeen.
5: Yes, yeah, an extremely strong squad they have there, though. You know, it just shows, like you said, with the injuries and the players missing, how strong the lineup is. And you know, I know they've got a couple of young boys on the bench, but the rest of the bench, um, you know, Derek McInnes has put together a really, really good squad, and that's why you've probably been a little bit more disappointed that they're now playing catch up. Um, But with the squad he has and, you know, the players he has at his disposal, you know, they'll be looking to finish really high up the league.
1: And Rob, Ross McCrory in tonight, you said there. And that's another wee spark for the Dons to look forward to seeing him.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I think if they can get him recapturing his form of when he first came into the Rangers team, um, then they'll have got themselves a, a really good player. I think he's lost his way a little bit, maybe played too many different positions a lack of identity about where they were going to use him. I, I like him in that holding midfield position. Uh, Portsmouth, he didn't set the heather alight when he was low on loan down there. But he's 22, he's got plenty of time, he's got plenty ability, uh, and this could be a real kickstart to his career. And he can do a real turn for an Aberdeen side who need all the quality they can muster at the moment as they look to get their first points of the season.
1: Rob, will you, do you think there'll be goals tonight? Because at the weekend, uh, the live matches didn't have the goals.
4: No, it wasn't, a great, uh, it wasn't the advert Sky we're looking for. They, they've done a couple of goalless draws on the trot, so they'll be <laughs> hoping for a little bit better uh, tonight. Uh, some would say the atmosphere at McDermott Park might be not much different from what it normally is Ooh. because uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not the most boisterous place to be, really, even when there is a, a crowd in. But obviously, we, we want the fans back. That will be happening quite soon. There won't be a lot of atmosphere tonight, but you would imagine this is surely going to be an Aberdeen side that is raring to go.
1: More from Rob very shortly. Quick break and then we'll be back 0808 08, 17, 17 So give us your calls. What do you think? The Rangers fans, Ryan Kent, and there is no offer in for him and probably he's going nowhere. And for Celtic fans, uh, Tom Rogic, will he be on the way or uh, does it pave the way for other people coming in? Give us your calls now. How do you feel about being in, back in football in the next couple of weeks? Nicholas Sturgeon says it should happen from the beginning, well, the middle of September. More coming up next.
0: The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go.
1: Paul Cooney with Ali DeFoy and Marvin Bartley joining us live in the studio and tomorrow night Cy Ferry will be here along with Rob and Ali so you can call in then as we look forward to the weekend and quite a weekend of football coming up Ali
7: Yes very exciting of course the big match that's happening on Saturday is going to be Dundee United versus Celtic on Sky at 5.30pm but there are three other matches Fir Park um, Motherwell are hosting Hamilton at 3 o'clock Rangers Kilmarnock um, and you've got St Mirren home to Ross County on Sunday the big game is going to be St. Johnson against Hibernian which is going to be on Sky from 4.30 the earlier time and at 3 o'clock Aberdeen versus Livingston and we cannot forget Glasgow City are playing Wolfsburg tomorrow night 5pm and that's going to be the Estadio de Anoeta in San Sebastian in Spain. I'm quite proud of the way I pronounced that. Well done. Uh, it's Maybe going to be in. 5 o'clock. It's going to be on BBC Alba. You can watch it for free if you fancy.
1: I've been there, fantastic Have part you? of Spain. Yeah, I was there uh, on European Action when we used to cover uh, Celtic and Rangers. So that, I think that was Paul McStay's first match in Europe. It was Real Sociedad against Celtic. But what about Celtic this season? We've got a Celtic fan on the line. Tony is on from Bayliss. And hi, Tony, good evening.
12: Hi, how are you doing? Uh,
1: good, thanks. How are you? I'm very well.
12: Thanks very much for having me on.
1: Pleasure. Marvin Bartley's here. And Ali, what's in your mind tonight, Tony?
12: It was just to do with, obviously, the announcement today that fans will get back in the stadium. Um, Obviously, at the moment, Celtic aren't playing with any fans at all. And they've scored six goals at Parkhead and five goals at Parkhead. I was just wondering if you guys think that having no fans in certain games might actually be beneficial to Celtic?
5: Yeah, I think it's probably less pressure on, on, on the players, you know. Talking from experience, going and playing against Celtic, especially at Celtic Park, you know, you, you aim to get the fans to turn on the players, if that makes sense. We aim to frustrate them, you know, sit in and, you know, Celtic and Rangers fans are very expecting. So if we can, you know, frustrate them for 20, 25 minutes and you start to hear the groans from from the fans, that's what you know. normally the game plan is for smaller clubs when going to play against Celtic. Um, obviously, with no fans there, they don't really get those groans, and they they remain patient. And then sooner or later, they they know they're going to break you down. You know, without that pressure, especially coming from the stands, it makes it a lot easier for them to do so. But don't get me wrong; the Celtic players are also missing you guys as well.
12: Yeah, I think I think you can definitely work both ways. I mean, there's times in the Champions League where the atmosphere just—you can tell—it gets to these other teams that aren't used to it, and Celtic can blow them away. But there's also the games where the smaller sides maybe take the lead. And Celtic Park can turn pretty quickly, and as you say, we expect to win every game. And as soon as something goes wrong, one misplaced pass. And everybody's going crazy,
5: really. Yeah, exactly. Definitely in Europe, like you said, you know, I've been to Celtic Park on a European night to experience it, um, and it was a fantastic atmosphere. Celtic actually didn't win the game, but the fans didn't stop singing. Um, but I know for sure, you know, many a night the Celtic fans have, have carried the team over the line. But like you said, in, in the league games, it's slightly different because the expectation is there uh, from the fans. And like you also said, you know, smaller fans, uh, sorry, smaller clubs do go there to frustrate uh, Celtic and, and get the fans to turn.
1: Tony, how are you feeling yeah. about the season? How are you feeling
3: about
12: the squad? I think I think It was a, a really important signing. Mm-hmm. They definitely needed another striker. There was no two ways about that. I think there's obviously still a lot of debate over what's going to happen with Odson Edward. Um, obviously, easily the best player in Scotland at the minute, but somebody would need to play, pay £30 million plus, I think, to take him away from Celtic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that if we can get Shane Duffy, and I think we'll get him... Uh, I think that would be a good um, acquisition to the centre half because I think the two centre halves we have at the moment are good at playing football, yeah. but sometimes you need the no nonsense centre half to really just rose edit at times. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think another kind of really big problem for us is left back. I mean, I don't imagine Ballingoli will ever kick a ball for no. Celtic again, but I hope not.
3: Yeah.
12: Um, Johnny Hayes has obviously left, and now mm-hmm. we'll just get Greg Taylor. So I would expect that to be a position we must be looking at. He started well
1: though, Greg Taylor, hasn't he? But you know, you do want cover there. Yeah,
12: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know how Greg Taylor would fare in, if we get to the Champions League group stages. I don't doubt he's a good player, but yeah. I don't know if he's at that level, the kind of level Ciaran Tierney was at. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, th- I think we definitely need cover there. But overall for the season, I mean, there, there's no reason why Celtic can't, can't win everything again. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as you've seen, I mean, Rangers have the chance to put pressure on us. Well, we obviously our own doing, not being able to play the games, and they went to Livingston, who had shipped four against Tibbs and couldn't score. So that, that that kind of fills me with confidence, to be totally honest.
5: Marvin, yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you. Um, I think they will be looking to obviously strengthen the, the left back position, or or bring in competition, should I say? And and I said to to Chris Commons earlier about uh, Aaron Hickey for me. Um, And I know what you're saying about Greg Taylor, he hasn't been tested at that kind of European level, but we're never going to know what, you know, especially our homegrown players can do unless we allow them to have that test. Um, So I would be interested in, you know, Greg uh, Taylor getting the opportunity in Europe to see, you know, just how good he actually is. Because I I really do think he's a good player.
1: Johnny, we're going to come back to you in a second or two. Can you stay with us? But we're going over to San Sebastian and on the line now in the team bus is from Glasgow City, Leanne Crichton. Leanne, good evening.
6: Hi guys, how are we doing?
1: Ah, we're good, thanks. How are you? How was the, did you do some training at the ground?
6: Uh, well, we weren't actually allowed to train on the match pitch um, tonight, but we did get a chance to go and have a brief look around and familiarise ourselves, as you like to call it. Um, and it's as big as we thought it was, was going to be. So it'll be a tough night in the heat. <laughs>
1: <laughs> how, how hot is it today in San Sebastian?
6: It's a bit cooler actually. Yesterday when we stepped off the plane, it was like 37 degrees. I think today it was down to about 29 and we're hoping tomorrow it'll be 24 and raining.
1: Well, but that could
5: help it. I mean, actually, what's the
1: likelihood of that? Yeah, that's almost Paisley,
5: Marvin. I know. Yeah, yeah, Liam. What did you walk around just the centre circle? you Familiarise yourself with that, because you don't really move out of that centre circle, do you? A bit like me. No, no, you're right, Marv.
6: That's exactly it. I just I strolled on. I kind of got up to like a half pace of a walk.
7: Took a couple of selfies. Got a team photo.
6: Uh, and literally I just looked at the width of the pitch And I thought I'm going to be covering a lot of distance tomorrow So I'll save the legs um, But no, honestly it's stunning It's a really nice stadium um, The weather's been perfect We trained at the like training academy Which was just along the road Again, the pitches were were absolutely beautiful. So, girls are feeling good. We know it's going to be a a super tough night for us tomorrow, but it's one that, you know, just trying to remind the players this might never happen again. So, we need to just really live in the moment over here. And even just being away from Scotland for a couple of days, it's nice to, you know, have a change of scenery and and really appreciate football again.
5: No, Zach, that's what I was going to ask you, what the mood was like in the camp. I bet there's a a lot of excitement. Uh, I know it's a tough game and you girls know it's a tough game, but you must be super excited to be playing in this tomorrow.
6: Yeah, the thing for me is I miss out on the last time that we got to the last, uh, like the quarterfinals back in 2015. I had just left the club and it was one for me that I always thought that chance is never going to come round again. And to be here and to have achieved it, there's lo- um, we've got, I think, six new players in the squad for tomorrow as well. So that's a huge deal as well for them and to settle in. We've not had too much time. Um, but really the vibes are, listen, we know we're underdogs and often or not those are the best games to play in because there's absolutely no pressure at all. We just need to go and conduct ourselves in in a positive manner, give everything that we've got um, and, you know, take as much from the game as we possibly can. And as the old cliche goes, you know, anything can happen in football.
1: Leanne, how many subs do you have? Is it the new rule at the moment during COVID?
6: Yeah, it is. I think you can make five substitutions within the 90 minutes. And if the game was to... Go to extra time. You're allowed one more additional substitution during that time, so um, which will be good as well. That's reassuring in, in terms of it being the one-off game because the heat might play a factor. The fact that we've only played two friendly matches in six months is, is going to be telling on the legs. Marv, you'll understand you know, how difficult that is to get up to speed. And um, we know that there's players waiting and you know going to be desperate to come on. Whoever starts the game has, has basically got to, to give everything they've got. And then if you need to come off, then there's people waiting.
5: Yeah, that's the only good thing, isn't it, Leanne, about the five substitute rules that, you know, you can actually give your all and you can get five, you know, fresh legs on there. Um, like you said, playing two games in six months, it's, it's going to be tough, especially with the heat also. So I imagine you girls will be trying to slow the game down whenever you can, almost like Livingston against Rangers at the weekend.
6: No, that's it. We've had conversations like that today. You know, we're going to be, really need to be game smart and, and use, you know, as much of the ball as we possibly can and run the clock down as much as we can and as much as people might say, you know, that would be negative football or, um, you know, it's not a way that should to be competing. We, we recognise the gulf in, in terms of where we're at in this tournament and we really need to apply ourselves and try and stay in the game for as long as we possibly can. So if that means, you know, being really smart and, and physical and switched on from the very first minute, that's exactly what we need to do. And almost today, you know, we kind of spoke about trying to quarter up the game and, you know, what we can achieve in the first 20 minutes moving on into the next quarter. Um, and just really chipping away at it and see how far it takes us. Um, but I really, honestly, I'm really looking forward to it because uh, we've all lived in the moment for the last five months and we've missed football so much to actually get back out there and have a competitive game to, to
3: look forward to. It's just huge.
1: We can hear that in your voice, Leanne. You know, you were in the studio last week. It was great to hear you on the show, but you're really buzzing for it. How's your manager, Scott Booth? He knows all about big European matches and I guess he must be inspirational as well. He, he's he been over the course.
6: Yeah, he has. He has. The, the, the nice thing about Scott is that he doesn't often speak about himself, which is nice. Um, I think there's a fine balance between sharing your experiences and, and kind of going on about what you've done and, and not remembering what the team's achieved. Um, but no, he's fairly laid back. I think tomorrow he'll have a couple of big decisions to make in terms of the team selection, which nobody, um, you know, likes to make those decisions on the day. Some people might miss out and they'll be they'll be disappointed. But like we just touched on there's plenty of options to get players onto the pitch and the teams is, is one. You know, we we recognise how far we've come. Just for the club this is a huge game. Uh, it's one that everybody behind the scenes has worked so hard to, to get the club to where we are and this is not just about eleven players taking it to the pitch tomorrow. This is about representing, you know, Scotland and Europe, um, and everybody that's associated with the club.
1: Well, Glasgow's on goes right behind you. Glasgow City, Leanne Crichton. Thanks very much. We'll be bringing everyone up to date tomorrow night. It's five o'clock, isn't it, Ali? It's on yeah. as well? on the,
7: yeah. Absolutely. You can check it out. Uh, it's going to be on BBC Alba. That's right, Leanne? Yep. Yeah, that's correct. Yep. And then you can also go to www.glasgocityfc.co.uk and make a wee £5 donation if you want because the game is free, but if you fancy a wee donation, we'll no do that, harm in that, doing is there. that for
1: sure. Leanne, Thanks,
7: guys. all the
1: best for tomorrow. Good luck. Thanks very see much. You
3: later. Leanne Thanks, Leanne. Have a good one.
1: From Glasgow City, we'll make that donation tomorrow. But make sure you're tuned into the show, of course, on goal between <laughs> five and seven. Tony was on there. Tony, quite cool, isn't it? Going to the team bus there. Um, and Leanne Crichton, Glasgow in quarterfinal of Champions League. It's fantastic. Tony, you still there? Just want to ask you one more thing. Yeah, on yeah. go, Tony. So, what about Sunday then? Is this um, when it can kick on for Celtic? You know, you mentioned the the goals they've scored at Dundee United. That was always. You had Chris comments I hope in the first hour, he loved playing there at Tannadice. Was it a, a, a ground you enjoyed going to? And what do you think about the match? Oh, it's,
12: a, it's a team that really should be in the top flight. It's just good to have them back. Um, a real tough game. It can be a difficult place to go. I remember when we won the league there back in two thousand and eight great atmosphere, a lot of good memories up in Dundee united I'm looking forward to playing them. They've started really well. I would, I would fancy them to get a top six finish uh, this season, but I, I, I'll need to be, uh, I'll need to go for a 4-0 Celtic. That's it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> don't sit in the fence to you? <laughs> And your scorers. That,
12: that's, that's me being diplomatic usually in the podcast. I'm a wee bit, I'm closer to six or seven, but since okay. I sure, I'll, I'll go for oh, no.
5: a <laughs> 4-0. Marvin? No, yeah. but it should be a brilliant game. Like yeah. you said, you know, Dundee United uh, deserve to be in the top league and it's, it's so much better for Scottish football having them in the top division. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if Shanklin's back. You know, I know they've missed him for the mm-hmm. for the first few games, and you know they've they've got a few points on the board. Um, but you know, he he is a talisman for them, and yes. it'd be really interesting to see him go up against you know the, the kind of the Celtic back line. But you know, I think it's gonna be a brilliant game. I think it'll be an open game. I can't see Dundee United sitting behind the ball. I think you know they will tackle. So so no, that should be a very good open goal uh, game rather, and we should get a lot of goals in it.
1: And before you go, Tony, did you hear earlier on Chris Commons? We were talking um, about uh, the, the Celtic, the current squads, and we had a call from Ross and Cardonal was saying about uh, James Forrest getting some stick. And you're playing with James's brother, Alan, who's uh, doing really well for you there. But James Forrest has done everything in the game,
5: everything and more, hasn't he? He really yeah. has. He's been a breath of fresh air. Um, I don't really understand it. You know, a great player for me.
1: Tony, what would you want to say about James Forrest? I would
12: drop him and put Frimpong in if I'd gone to the three-five-two. I, I know that sounds really harsh, and I, I get what you guys are saying, but I, I, I said I think uh, Frimpong's more exciting go, going forward. and he's, he's obviously better defensively. Well, uh, there's, no, there's not much room for sentiment in football. I, I would like to see El Hamid at right back and Forrest given the kind of uh, Frimpong given the kind of right. Right midfielder rule.
1: Okay, Look, Tony, Thanks very much. We've run out of time. I can't believe it, Marvin. You don't quite agree with that, but that's football, <laughs> isn't it? That's what we're about. Glasgow <laughs> onions Every night, Monday to Friday. Will you join us again next week? Off.
5: Oh for sure I'll be Won't here you be listening on time? or watching
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ali thanks very much uh, you're on again tomorrow night with the guys uh,
7: absolute pleasure yes yeah. yeah, so we'll be joined um, Rob will be back in the studio I'm sure telling us how it was uh, tonight at McDermott Park and Barry uh, is not going to be back till Monday so it's going to be me Rob and si tomorrow
1: looking forward to that on the night when Rangers have said there is no bid for Ryan Kent Chris Commons was talking earlier on about what's coming up this season for Celtic and we paid tribute to the late great Tam Forsyth coming up next more music here on Go Radio. See you tomorrow.
3: The Go Radio football show. Let's go.